Thank you for joining us here at Creative Church. We pray today's word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what is given to you. The easiest way to do that is to visit us at creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. All right, grab your Bibles. I got one verse to give you before we jump into the sermon. Or one verse to start the sermon. And uh, go to Leviticus. Some of y'all ain't been to Leviticus in years. Go to Leviticus. I'm going to give you a verse. Go to Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13. Leviticus 6, 13. And uh, you guys ready to, to hear the word today? You hungry? Come on, y'all. I'm hungry, so y'all don't want to. I'll let y'all go. I'm ready to. Y'all hungry for the word today? Anybody hungry? Come on, don't suck. Y'all ready for the word? There ain't nothing worse than cooking for people who don't want nothing to eat. So, so I want y'all to be hungry today for the word of God. We got some home field advantage here. You know, I preach better when y'all put a demand on me. I, I will. Y'all pull things out of me. This could be the best service or the worst service, depending on you, because it's the same preacher, same day, same church, same sermon. The only difference is a congregation. So come on, 1115. Y'all ready to get into this today? Huh? All right. Here it is, Leviticus 613. It says, let the, the fire, everybody say the fire. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. The fire must be kept on the altar continuously. It must not, it must never, ever go out. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the ability to pray. And I ask you to move in this house for these next 30, 40 minutes. I'm gonna preach publicly, Jesus, but I need you. I need the Holy Spirit to walk up and down every row walk up and down every aisle, every chair, and preach a private sermon to every person in this room. Because my sermon won't change a heart, but God, the sermon you preach, the, the private, personal sermon that you speak to a heart is what makes the difference. That the notes they write down would be the things you say more than the things I say that the impression they feel on their heart while the word goes forth that convicts, that challenges, Lord, that those would be the things that stir us to change. In Jesus' name, Creative Church said. Amen. Come on, give him praise one more time all over the house. Let's go to work. I couldn't wait to get here to preach this. I started to get in my car and drive to your house and just walk into the living room and start preaching this to y'all. I was so excited to get here. But I want to talk to you today about prayer because I believe with all my heart that God has created every person that's ever lived, no matter where they are in the world, to have a hunger for prayer. Even people that may live in the most remote places on earth who have never heard of the Bible or Jesus, some tribe in the middle of, of, of some, some jungle maybe. They, any, any, if you research it long enough, you'll find out they have some prayer. They have something that they believe in, some God that they pray to because God created all of us for relationship. The reason he made us was to have relationship with him. That's why he made you. He made us so that he could have a family. How many of you know we're the family of God? 
He made us so that he could have a family. And we're made in his likeness. We're made in his image. And the Bible gives us a beautiful picture in Genesis where it says that God walked down in the cool of the garden and he literally walked and talked with Adam and Eve. God literally walked with them. They literally had this prayer time with God, walking with them, talking with them in the cool of the garden. The interesting thing about that is that they weren't talking to God about their kids. They weren't talking to God about sickness. They weren't talking to God about money problems. They didn't have any. They weren't talking to God about demonic attack and the enemies after me, well, none of that. They weren't talking to God about in-laws. They weren't talking about any of that. So what were they talking to God about? Because some of us go, well, that's all my prayer life is, talking about money and I need the money and I need the kids situation. I got the marriage problems and Satan's after me and this and that. That's your whole prayer life. Well, so what was their prayer life? If they weren't talking to God about any of that, what were they talking to God about? Because for most of us, that's our prayer life. The kids, the spouse, the money, the health, the attack, the in-laws, or whatever it is, the outlaws, I don't know what you call them, but whatever it is, it, that's our prayer life. But, but that wasn't their prayer life at all because prayer in its essence, prayer in its pediatric form, prayer in its most simplistic form is just spending time with God. It's, it's the, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his own. Y'all don't know those old songs. And the joy we share as, as we tarry there. That's another term young people don't know. Anybody know about the term tarrying? It means to pray until. No other has ever known. That was the song. That, that, is, that is prayer in its, in its essence. That's what real prayer is. It's just being with God in its original state. It's our personal time with God. And God intended for us to pray. I would go one step further to say it's actually a sin not to pray. First Samuel, write it down, First Samuel 12, 23. It says, moreover, as for me, far be it that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That if I fail to pray for this church and pray for your marriages and pray for your families and pray for teenagers and young adults, and kids, I've literally sinned against God as a pastor. That if you fail to pray for the people in this room, if you fail to pray for your brothers and your sisters, that you have sinned against God. Not against the people, you've sinned against God. I'm coming for you, babe. I hope you're ready. You've literally sinned against God. If you fail to pray for this worship team that gets up here every week and ask God to anoint them and ask God to bless them and ask God to use them, you've sinned against God. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And most of the areas of the ministry that you criticize, you don't pray for. Woo, Jesus. I'm talking to you, not the person next to you. You. You don't pray for them. You criticize preachers you don't pray for. You criticize worship teams you don't pray for. You criticize kids departments you don't pray for. You criticize young, uh, young and creative youth departments that you don't pray for. And you are called by God to pray for them. The people in the church that get on your nerves, you don't pray for. Because you can never be offended by a person you pray for regularly. And when God gets ready to promote you, he sends someone to offend you. Because God's trying to dig up the stuff you're trying to hide. You know that stuff you're trying to hide. God's trying to dig it up. 
And so he'll put you around people that offend you and pull that stuff out of you because it's in you. Because nobody can pull out of you what's not in you. I'm preaching already. Ooh, that came out of me because it's in you. That hatred's in you. That bitterness is in you. That selfishness is in you. That pride is in you. It's in you. I told my kids the other day, one of them, they was fussing it the other day. I said, you see that attitude? I put that in you. You will not break me. <laughs> Maybe your mother put it in you. One of us put it in you. I don't know. But we cannot sin against God in forgetting to pray. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if you're forgetting to pray, you're literally forgetting God. You're literally forgetting God. I'd go one step further to say, if prayer is not real to you, it's because God is not real to you. He's not real to you. You don't pray because you don't believe in God. You just don't believe it. You say you do, but you don't. You don't believe it. And those, those of you that are in leadership, those of you that are in ministry, those of you that want to lead, listen to me, you're not going to be able to lead and be in ministry very long if you don't have a prayer life. You might as well resign now. You will not survive if you don't pray. You have to have a prayer life. It's like Jacob Slatter. How many of you ever heard the story of Jacob Slatter? And he fell asleep and God gave him a vision and he saw this ladder from earth to heaven. And there, was, there were angels ascending and descending, going up the ladder and coming down the ladder. And, and they were literally taking up prayers and bringing down miracles and taking up prayers and bringing down miracles. My question to you is, do you have a ladder of prayer in your home? Where's the ladder of prayer? If I ask you where your car is, you know where your car is. If I ask you where your home is, you know where your home is. If I ask you where your money is, you know where your money is. Where's your ladder? If you don't have a ladder of prayer in your home, you do not have a connection point between heaven and your house. How many of you have a physical ladder in your house? Raise your hand if you've got a physical ladder in your house. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, the lights are on. I can see you. How many of you have a physical ladder in your house? All right, why do you have a ladder in your house? You have a ladder in your house because there's things that you need from time to time that you can't reach. You can't reach them without the ladder. There are things in the spirit that you cannot reach without a heavenly ladder, like healing, like deliverance, like joy, like peace, that you will not have access to if you don't have a spiritual ladder of prayer in your home. Praise God. Am I helping somebody? You need it in your home more than ever before. And we've become so casual in Christianity. It's gotten to the point where it's all about me. It's what I think. We pray and we tell God what we think about it. And then we, we say amen and walk away and never even take time to hear from God. We just tell God. We think prayer is a monologue. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is you talking to God and God talking to you. It's not you telling God what you think. How much do you know anyway? How much do you know? Huh? You spend all this time talking to people and getting their advice. How much do these people know? As if you would seek their counsel more than the counsel of God? As if you would seek their opinions more than you would seek the opinions of God? Who says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. How different? As high as the heavens are above the earth or are my ways different from your ways? And when we read the scriptures, we are literally commanded to pray. When we read the scriptures, we see uh, in this verse a fire that 
that the priest had to build the altar, but God supernaturally lit the fire. God supernaturally did it. Man didn't do it. Moses didn't do it. God lit the fire, which is a beautiful picture of being born again, how God saves you. You don't save yourself. You come to him. He saves you. He delivers you. How many of you are thankful for salvation? He sets you free. Come on. He put a new song in your heart, changed your life. He saved. How many of you are saved? Come on. God saved you. God did it. You didn't do it. He saved you. And, and, and he, he changed your life. But notice that once the fire was lit, it was the priest's responsibility to keep it burning. So God lit it, but it was the priest's responsibility to keep it going. Well, how did he keep it going? He had to tend to it. See, we love this New Testament theology where we're like, oh, we're, we're the priesthood of believers. We are priests. And we are. We are priesthood of believers. We are all of us, New Testament priests, all of you, all of you up here, you are all priests unto God. But we can take that too far. I don't need no church. I don't need no pastor. I just do, it's just me and Jesus. I just, I just do what I want when I want. It's just me and the Lord. Okay, but you don't realize that you are also responsible for the work of the priest. The priest just doesn't give, the priesthood does, doesn't just give you access to God, but the same morality you ask me to live, Oh, God. If you don't want me and Pastor Joanne doing it, if you would leave the church if I did it, just sit there, baby. I'm coming. I'm ready for you. (laughs) That same morality you have to have because you're a priest. The same prayer life I'm supposed to have. Guess who else is supposed to have it? You. The same criteria you put on me, you're supposed to have as a New Testament priest. So God God started the fire, but the priest had to keep it going. So how do you keep it going? I had him bring these pieces of wood up here for me because this this is what prayer is. Prayer is putting wood on the fire. Prayer is, prayer is the wood that you put on to keep it going. Now, how many of you, how many of you ever tended a fire? You, you want to keep a fire going, you got to stay with it. You can't just cut a tree down and throw it on there and walk away. It's the same thing in your marriage. If you want to keep the fire going in your marriage, you got to. Some of y'all can't say amen because it's gone out. If you want to keep the romance going on in the marriage, you got to put wood on that. You got to put resources on that. You got to, you come on, you got to keep it alive. It's the same thing with God. You have a responsibility to keep the fire going with God. God lit the fire. God saved you. He filled you with the Holy Ghost, but prayer is what keeps the fire burning in your life. And this little term, let me just deal with something that burns me up, that Christians say that is not biblical. This little term that somebody invented called burnout that some of you use, which is not in your Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not a biblical term. It's some little term that somebody you hung around with who didn't pray came up with that you have hung around them so long, you have picked up their accent because you don't pick up accents from books. You pick up accents from hanging out with people. And you've been hanging out with people who don't pray, who don't serve God, who don't fast, who don't read the word of God, and they told you they were burnout. So now you picked up this little term called burnout. 
which you didn't get from God and you didn't get from the word of God. Nowhere in this book does it say serve God with all your heart and you'll be burnt out. Don't serve him too much because you'll get burnt out. Don't fast too much. Don't pray too much. Don't volunteer too much. Don't tie too much because it could hurt you. That's not in here. What's in here is like they that serve God shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Jesus said things like, you want to follow me? Pick up your cross and follow me. Crucify yourself. I beat my body and make it my slave. At least after preaching to multitudes, I myself, myself may be a castaway, Paul said. Jesus said, unless you want to forsake mother and father, sister and brother, and even crucify yourself, you can't be my disciple. All the disciples died martyrs' deaths except one. You know why you get burnt out? You got burnt out because you let the fire go out. You got burnt out because you didn't pray. You didn't pray. You don't fast. You don't read the word of God. That's why you burn out. And you leave that church and go to another church, talk about that church don't love me. It's not no problem with love. You don't pray. And so when you leave that church, you take your non-praying, non-serving, non-fasting, non-scripture reading self to the next church and talk about they don't love me. It ain't the church. Then you leave that church and take your non-praying, non-fasting, non-reading self to the next church. It ain't the problem with church. The problem is you. Because you won't pray. You won't pray. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You know you don't pray. The average Christian spends two minutes a week in prayer. You know why we got to have all this stuff and lights and I don't know what this thing is. All this stuff everywhere is to compensate for you not praying. Y'all wearing this worship team out. They got to get up here and sing for 30 minutes. Y'all wearing these people out because you don't pray. Take 30 minutes to 45 minutes to get you into some, some kind of thought of God in your life because you're coming from so much hell and fussing and fighting and cussing each other out in the car. By the time you get here, take us an hour to pray that junk off of you. looking at porn on your phone on the way to church. God rebuke you. And you want us to have you out of here in 30, 40 minutes? You don't pray. The old church I grew up, they didn't have none of this stuff. Didn't even have a sound system. Didn't have no screen, the computer. The words to the song was in a book. Everybody had a book. And we had the Holy Ghost and people would get healed and delivered and set free because the church would, people would come in. They had been praying that morning. Church mothers and, and would come in and call on God and the Holy Ghost didn't have all. We got to have all this stuff to compensate for the fact that people don't pray because most people cannot leave this building, get in their car and even have enough God sense to pray from here to home. Most people can't pray five minutes because they don't practice prayer. You got to learn to practice talking to God. Prayer is, is as easy to do as breathing. And it's as dangerous to not do as not breathing. That's what prayer is. 
You don't pray. God rebuke you for it. And you want to complain about this and complain about that and talk about this. and Well, I disagree and I don't like and this and that and all this kind of stuff. You don't pray. Do you know that, that the, the stats of divorce in our world, even if you attend church, are, you are 52% likely to get a divorce in America? 52%? I just read a stat by Jimmy Evans living today said, though, but if you and your spouse pray together every day, it goes from 50% to 1 in 2,000. So you can move your odds of a divorce in your home from 50-50 to 1 in 2,000 just if you guys pray. If you'll just decide, as a family, this is important to me, we are going to commit to prayer. We're going to put the fire, we're going to put the log on the fire. We're going to commit to keep the fire. Don't let the, don't let the fire go out of the Holy Ghost in your life. If, if you get burnt out, it's because you let the fire go out. When you first got saved, you was on fire. You was on, do you know that when I do newcomers' lunches, and I invite a bunch of new people to come in, and we'll have food and different things, and we're hanging out with them. Do you know at the end of that, new people who, who are not, nobody knows their name really. They're not on a team. Um, they, they just got saved. And, and they will not leave right away. They'll start cleaning up and vacuum. I just did one the other week. I see them vacuuming and cleaning up, moving tape. What can I do to help? How can I put this over? Because they just got saved. Nobody has to beg them and coerce them and plead with them to do something for Jesus. They are so happy to be saved. It's like they're on fire for God. And what happens to us is we get on fire for God, but then we stop praying. We stop fasting. We stop reading the word of God. And then we, we say, I got burnt out at church. That's not in your word. That's not in the Bible. That's, that's an unbiblical term. You get burnt out because you, you try to do ministry in your flesh. You try to do it in, through carnality. And you can't do spiritual things in your flesh. It'll kill you. You have to do it in the spirit. Am I helping somebody in here? Jesus said, don't be lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He says, I want red hot sons and daughters. And how do you get red hot? You got to put it in the fire. And where's the fire? On the altar. It's on the altar. I'm going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to go more in depth tonight in how you build an altar. Nobody's going to build an altar for you. You got to build it. These are things that you have to do for yourself because you are a priest. You have to clean the ashes of sin out. Nobody's coming to do that. You got to do that. You're a priest. You've got to have a prayer life as a priest that your sons and your daughters see. If not, if it's only something, something you, they see you do on Sunday, they will grow up and think you are religious. And the best place to raise an atheist is a religious home. When you read your Bible, it's God talking to you. When you pray, it's you talking to God. And the most, most important thing a believer can do is develop a consistent prayer life. There will always be somebody trying to take that time. There will always be some crisis, some situation, some excuse. But Jesus said, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, go into your prayer closet and shut the door. Don't bring an iPad in there. 
Don't let the phone in there. Don't bring a computer in there. Shut the door. Four times in the New Testament, prayer closet is mentioned. It means go into a private place and shut the door. And you have to build it into your world. Some people say, when's the best time to pray? I always say the first in the morning and last in night. But it's like when I went to buy a piece of exercise equipment, I asked the guy, which one of these will help me lose weight? And he's like, the one you'll use. And I'm like, great, great answer. I can see why everybody likes you, right? But clearly it's the one I'll use. But when's the best time to pray? When you'll pray, right? But let me tell you this, idols, if you have an idol in your life, idols always want your first and last. If you struggle with an addiction, you struggle with something that you go, I can't do this unless I do that. I'm not myself unless I have that. That's an idol. And idols fight you hardest first thing in the morning and last at night because they want to be your God. First thing in the morning, if you got to have it, if you can't sleep without it, it's like if I go preach somewhere at another church and come back and I miss tonight, and, and, I'll, and I'll go to Pastor Duran, and she said, I'm just tired today. I said, why are you tired? She said, I didn't sleep good last night. You wasn't here. I said, what's that got to do? She said, I don't, sleep, I don't sleep good when you're not here. You got to have something like that with God, that if you don't pray, you don't sleep good. If you don't, if you don't have your time with God, something's off. It's not right. Something's off in my, in my walk. I got I to gotta get my time with God. Make prayer a priority. So three things that I want you to write down. Number one, it has to be a priority. Prayer has to be a priority because prayer is a sin killer. You want to kill sin, pray. You got, you got, you got a temptation. You got something you're trying to get. You know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm trying to stop it. I can't stop it. Every time I try to stop it, I do it again. It's because you don't pray. If you prayed, you'd be able to overcome it. You, gotta, you have to pray. It's quiet. You see how quiet it is? If I was talking about God's going to bless you by the end of the year, you're going to be married by the end. There'd be shouts all over the room. Prayer is a sin killer. Prayer is a power bringer. Prayer is a Christ revealer. It'll reveal Christ to you. Prayer is an obstacle remover. You got an obstacle at work? Pray. Pray. Prayer is a dispute healer. Prayer is a holiness promoter. Prayer is a victory giver. Make it a priority and let people know. Because the minute you start to do it, they're going to be calling, they're going to be texting, they're going to be emailing. The family, clients, it's the end of the world. Come now. If you don't come now, if the world's going to implode, then let it implode. I am praying. I'm not, I'm not giving into this. I'm not giving into that. I'm telling you, the minute you decide you're going to do it, they're all going to come running. That's how it goes. Secondly, you need a, I'm going to give you three. Secondly, you need a time of prayer. You need a time. If you don't have a time of prayer, you're not going to pray. Because life runs on schedules. You don't go to work when you feel like it. You don't pick the kids up when you feel like it. You don't do this. Everybody's got schedules. You got schedules. Pull Google Calendar up right now and see if prayer's on there for tomorrow. Why you got all this stuff on your calendar and you don't have prayer? Because it's not important to you. That's why I'm challenging you. How can you have all this stuff that you got to do and prayer's not on there? It's like you got, how many of you have text feeds with family on it, friends? You text them every day. How come on, right? 
Raise your hand. You got family and sisters and siblings. You text them every day. And if you don't hear from them in a day, let two days go by. You, you, you calling the police. You send out search parties. If my mama can't get a hold of me, she'll start, she'll start calling y'all. If I, go th- if I go three, four days or whatever, I don't talk to my mama, don't call me. She'll she be calling staff. She'll be tracking me down. She'll be sending Facebook messages to y'all. Y'all seen him? Where is he? I need to know what's going on. Something happened. And how, it, how can you have these relationships and it's, if two or three days go by and you don't hear from people, you think something's wrong. How can you have a God that you let weeks and months and years go by and you don't talk to him? How can you let a week go by, a month go by, and not talk to God and not be concerned? When, when, when we got relationships, just immediate relationships, that if we don't hear from people, come on, how many of somebody, if you don't hear from them in a day or two, you're going to freak out. Something's wrong. And how can you say you love God, you got a relationship with God, and you let weeks go by? Months go by, years go by, and you don't talk to God. You talk to all these other people. And we don't spend time to talk to God. I hope you feel convicted. That's the point. See, it's not condemnation. Condemnation is you're a filthy sinner. God doesn't love you and you're going to hell. That's, that's condemnation. The Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. But conviction is I messed up. I need to call my dad. That's what God is saying. If, if we're not where we need to be, we just need to get a hold of our father because we have a dad that loves us. Somebody say amen about it. He's a good, good father. And, and, and you have all these agendas, all this schedule. I got to go do this and get the kids that and go to the gym. You got all this stuff on there except prayer because it's not important to you. You know that in the Old Testament, the miracles Well, let me say it like this. The times of prayer in the Old Testament were 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. That's when they prayed. There was morning prayer and evening prayer. They didn't have, it wasn't like 6, 7 o'clock because they didn't have electricity and they had to clean it up, the sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. So it was 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Do you know that most of the miracles that happened in the New Testament happened at 9 a.m. and 3, or 9 a.m. or 3 p.m.? Do you know why that is? Because that was the time of prayer. Those were the times of prayer. You got to have something in your life that this is the time that if I don't show up, God's going to be like, where are you? Because this is my time of prayer. Elijah called down fire in heaven in 2 Kings at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Daniel prayed for 21 days in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. And an angel, Gabriel, appeared to him and gave him instructions at 3 p.m., the Bible says. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost at 9 a.m. 9 a.m., the Bible tells us. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John healed the lame man at the gate called Beautiful at the hour of prayer. Acts chapter 10, verse 3, Cornelius went out and God revealed to him a vision and gave him a vision at 3 p.m. in the afternoon because those were the times of prayer. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm not saying you got to pray at 9 and 3. I'm saying you got to have a time that you pray. And if you have a time that you pray, God will start to do miracles at that time. I wish I had one person who believed it. If you commit to a time of prayer, I am telling you, I'm te- look, I'm not being mean, I'm not being ugly, I'm not being harsh. 
But what we're facing as a society and as a world right now, it's pray or dry up. It's pray or die. It's pray or lose your marriage. It's pray or lose your children. That's the world we're living in. Come on, am I right about it? It is, it is no, we, we don't have time for this nice little cutesy wootsy little, maybe Jesus, Jesus. We don't have time for that. This is pray or die. That's the world we're living in right now. And you need a time that you commit to prayer. You commit to all this other junk that is not eternal. I'm not saying some of it's not good. I'm saying it's not eternal. True story. In the Korean War, this is a true story of a guy who, in his battalion, one of his fellow soldiers had gotten shot and was out on the field about 100 yards from them. They were in a foxhole, he was wounded. The colonel came to him and said, one of our guys is knocked down. I think if we can get to him, we can save him. I'm not ordering anybody to go, but if one of you would be brave enough and volunteer to run and get him, I think we might be able to save him. One young guy raised his hand and says, I'll go. It was about 8.45, 8.50 in the morning. He said, now I'm not telling you you have to go. He said, because it's probably a suicide mission. You probably won't make it back. He says, that's fine, I, I wanna go, I wanna try to get him. He says, I, only one thing, he said, can we wait till nine o'clock? He said, sure, I don't care, wait till nine o'clock. At nine o'clock, he came up out of that foxhole and took off running across that field, bullets flying past him, grenades and mortars going past him. I mean, burning him with, with, with um, different debris was hitting him. He finally got to him, grabbed him, and drug him back yard by yard and never got hit by one bullet, not one mortar hit him. Got him back, drug him down to the foxhole, and the colonel came running over and said, my God, son, I've never seen such courage. I've never seen such bravely. Surely you're gonna get a medal for this. He said, that's amazing, and saved his life. He said, but I gotta ask you one question. He said, why 9 a.m.? Why did you want to wait till 9 a.m.? He said, because at 9 a.m., I knew my mama would be praying for me. You see, you got to have a prayer time that's so strong that your children know. Mama's praying right now. It's 10 a.m. I know it. I know it. Mama goes to God at 10 a.m. Mama goes to God at 7 a.m. At 10 a.m., mom and dad are calling my name out in prayer. You've got to have a time and a place and a priority of prayer because one day you will not be there, but you're going to need the Holy Spirit. See, prayer is a defense for your children. Prayer will protect your children. You don't know what battle, you don't know what situation they're going to get into, and prayer has no expiration dates. I pray for my kids' spouses, even though they're young. I pray for their spouses. God bless them, keep them, protect them, watch over them. Don't let them do foolishness and stupidness. Let them be pure and holy, set apart. Let them run after you. I may not be there when they get married. I don't know how many years I have on this earth, but I know my prayers will be there. And God honors the prayers, the faithful, fervent prayers of righteous men availeth much. Somebody say amen if you believe that today. There must be a, a, prayer has to be a priority. You need a time of prayer. Lastly, write it down, you need a place of prayer. A, a, a place of prayer. I remember my grandfather, as a little kid, I can remember it to this day. He was a tall man. He was like 6'5". And on Sunday afternoons, 
he would go into the living room. The living room was one of the rooms we weren't allowed to go in. You would run to the edge and look in. Anybody know about those rooms? You, anybody? Some of y'all. You just grew up with nothing, you know, no rules or nothing. We had rules we weren't allowed to go in. And I would, we would go in, and I, would, I remember this day, I'm seared in my brain, seeing my grandfather get down on his knees, and there was this white couch, and he was right in the middle of it, and he would get on his knees and put his elbows on that couch, and he would go to pray. And we all knew as little kids, when granddaddy's praying, don't bother granddaddy. Keep it down. Granddaddy's in his place of prayer. He's seeking God. And we just knew that. We just had this respect and this, this knowing that you didn't, you didn't bother him when he was praying. And what I'm asking you is, do you have a place to pray? During COVID, many of you set up these offices in your homes, lights and microphones and cameras and computers and backgrounds. And you told the kids, now when mom and daddy in here, don't you bother us. When daddy's working, this is his place. And you made a sanctuary to work in your home. And you told the children, this is important, and you honored it, and don't come in here. And you did all that for work. Do you have that for prayer? Where's your place of prayer? Do you have a, do you have a place that you meet God? I have a place, and I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want you to show up there. Because <laughs> sometimes I got to call your name out before God and talk about you to God. You know, because some of y'all be bothering me, and I got to call your name out to God. I don't want you hearing me talk about you. I tell God on you. You treat me bad, I'm going to tell God on you. And, uh, and so, you know, but I, I, I call out to God in prayer. I talk out loud. That's the last thing I guess I would say as we get ready to is, is you got to pray out loud. Away with this, well, I, you know, I just sometimes in my heart, I'm not being legalistic that you can't think about things in your heart, but the Bible, the Bible literally tells us to say. Even Jesus, when he told the disciples, he said, say, our Father, who art in heaven, say it. He said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. How can you be in church for 20 years, a grown man, you can't pray? What's wrong with you? You can't pray. We got Jimmy here. Jimmy, pray for the food. What's wrong with you? You've been serving God 20 years. You can't pray for the food? Because you don't pray. You don't pray in your house. You don't pray out loud. You don't pray. How can you be walking with God and serving God and be so critical of everything in God's house and you can't pray? That's why we got a whole generation that can't pray. Teenagers can't pray. Mumbling and How can we lose a generation? How can you be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and you can't pray? When we grew up, you had prayer. The whole church came to prayer. We stand in a big circle. Everybody had to pray. No, do you want to pray today? Do you feel like praying? You gonna pray. We all gonna pray. You grow up praying out loud, declaring, prophesying. Teach your children to pray. If not, you're gonna raise a generation that doesn't know how to pray. Where they got courage. We live in a world where you better, you better have some courage when you pray. You better believe what you're saying when you pray. 
You got to just rebuke things in your home and rebuke things off your children. My parents would rebuke me, you know. Not just spank you, they, re they rebuke you. You got a bad attitude, my dad said, I rebuke you. Come here, I rebuke you. This, this negative spirit that you have in this home, I bind that off of you in Jesus' name. You will not bring that in this house. Who do you think you're talking to? That's a demon from the pit of hell. You ain't going to speak to your parents like that. Don't you let Satan use you like that in this home. I bind that spirit off of you in Jesus' name. Lift your hands. Lift your hands now. Let me pray. And even Bring that foolishness in here. He rebuked that with prayer. You got a bad idea. Y'all go pray. Go pray for each other. And I better hear you pray. Y'all call down fire and blessings on each other. Y'all can't get along. Y'all can yell at each other. Then prophesy over each other. All I hear is your big mouth yelling at your brother and yelling at your sister. You got a mouth and when it's negative. You can speak up when it's Satan's prophecies. You're an idiot. You get on my nerves. I can't stand you. Get over here and pray. I just pray that they bless them and give them a good day. And I pray that they be loving. And I. The devil is a liar. You can open up them big old lips and open up them big old lungs when it's negative. Satan don't let his prophecies be silent. You don't hear all the negative. Well, I just, you get on my nerves and I just can't stand you. And you just annoy. No, it's all loud and, 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 and blunt and abrupt and forceful. And when we go to pray, it's all passive and, and small and quiet. Jesus said, let the weak say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Learn to open your mouth in your home. Teach your children to pray. You want to know what you sound like praying? Ask your kids to pray. That's what you sound like. That's what you sound like. And if they don't know how to pray, it's because they don't hear you pray. And I, I am, I'm not, I know, I'm, listen to me. I'm not trying to attack you. I'm not out to hurt you. I'm not out to belittle you. I'm not out to, I'm not trying to be the bad guy here. But I, I want to be the voice of conviction in your home. To say we've got to develop a prayer life with our children. My wife speaks Spanish. None of my kids speak Spanish because she don't speak it. She don't speak it in the home. None of the kids speak it. I can't speak it. I know un poquito. Necesito usar el baño. Right? Where's the bathroom? I, I don't know. I don't know how to say nothing. Right? But she don't speak it, so they don't know it. You can have a language in the spirit. You can know how to pray and your kids not know how to pray because they don't hear you pray. And you raise, just as she raised a generation now of kids that don't speak Spanish, you can raise a generation of kids that don't know how to pray because you don't do it in your home. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will convict us that we become a church that prays with our children with our spouse, and we begin to worship. I videotaped Liliana the other day. I came in the house, and she, she was having like a whole worship concert to herself. She had the whole thing on. She had this Elsa microphone, and she was just 
you know, she's like, I have the authority Jesus has given me. And she's like three years old, you know, she's like, I have the, uh, and she's doing the whole like, authority Jesus has, and she's the whole thing, you know. But, but she's worshiping God on her own because she sees us worship God. And that's, that's why I had him bring this little shopping cart out here for me. I had, I'll leave you with it. Come play something for me. I had him bring this out here because I, this reminds me of my wife. Because <laughs> Joanne will go, Pastor Joanne will go to the, she'll go to Target or wherever, and she'll get 3,000 bags of a, I don't know what. And she come in the house with keys. And I say, why are you coming in the house with keys? I said, you can't bring in one bag? <laughs> Come in the house with keys. And she looked at me with them big old brown Spanish eyes. And she said, baby, she said, you're so big and strong. <laughs> she said, you go out there and pick them up. You can pick them up. You're so big and strong. And I go out there and get on them. I go out and I get on my back. My hands be red and hurting. Get on, man. And I come in the house and bring them all in. And she say, you're so big and strong. And I bring on them bags. In. And you know why I do that? Because she prays in me. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying God is like that. When you start saying, God, can't nobody, can't nobody bless me the way you bless me. And God, can't nobody provide for me the way you provide for me. And can't nobody heal me the way you heal me. And nobody loves me the way you love me. God will start flexing his muscles and showing off for you and bringing things into your life that you could not bring in on your own. All because you praise him. If you praise him, if you praise him, God will start showing off for you. Just start praising him. You know, my wife can get me to do anything by praising me. She said, can't nobody vacuum the way you vacuum, the way you get around the baseboard. I don't know how you do that. Be Saturday morning, she'd be like, the way you cook eggs. She said, nobody cook them the way you cook. And I'm telling you, God, God is just like that. When you start just, when you start saying, God, nobody, nobody does it like you. Nobody listens to me the way you listen to me. Nobody puts me to sleep the way you put me to sleep. Nobody, nobody cares for me the way you care for me. You have a good, good father. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying not to talk to people, but I'm saying let that be secondary. You got a dad who is tired of taking you to the, the party and he can't dance. He wants a relationship with you. He's in love with you. He cares about you. He knows everything there is to know about you and says, I still choose you. Most people, if they knew everything about you, they wouldn't choose you. Right? They'd be like, you crazy. You crazy too. You still live with you. But God knows everything about you. Everything. All the stuff you're trying to hide and cover up and con and don't want the person sitting next to you to know about you. He knows all that about you. And he says, I still choose you. I still want to use you. Alexander turned 16 uh, this week. I can't believe I got a 16-year-old. Help us, Jesus. And um, 
one of the one of the staff members brought him a gift and, and gave him a um, gave him this little gift wrapped up and it was a, a potato. <laughs> First he thought that was all they was gonna give him, but so he, he gave him this potato. And he said, I gave you this potato because I don't know if you know it or not, but a potato is the most consumed product in America. It's used fries, everything, everything. It's the most consumed vegetable in America. And all it has to grow in, all it has to work with is dirt. So the moment you feel like you can't be something, you can't do something, you can't be significant because all you have is dirt. All your situation is is dirt. All you have to work with is dirt. Just know God can do something great in a dirty situation. Gave it to him. Then gave him, a, then gave him a gift he was more excited about, I think. But I was excited about the potato. Because I know what it's like to be in dirty situations. And feel like, man, if I had a different situation or if I had a different circumstance, maybe God could do something significant in my life. God works with dirt. And I'm telling you, if you will go to God and make prayer a priority this year, get a place to pray, get a time of prayer, you'll start seeing God do things that eyes have never seen, ears have never heard, and it hasn't even entered into your heart the things that God has in store for those that love him. You get something out of this today. Come on, give God a praise. Hey, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us here online. If this sermon blessed you today, if you felt the Holy Spirit touch your heart, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and ring the bell for, you know, uh, notifications as we put up more content and just different subjects about God's word that he's touched our heart to share with you. I also want to ask you if this really spoke to you, just share it on social media. Share it with somebody, text it to them, email it to them, post it on your social media with somebody that you think that it would bless. You know, thank you for being a part of the ministry here. And we're praying that God's blessing, his favor be upon your life. You know, remember, it's so important to make prayer a priority, to have a time of prayer and a place of prayer. You know, in this sermon and some of the other series that we're going to do here on the first part of the year, just so inspired by some of the legends in the faith uh, that we've had speaking here for us and have spoken to my life from Dr. Larry Lee to Jensen Franklin to my own uh, uncle, Dr. T.L. Lowry. We pray that, you know, this legacy of this torch that's been passed to our generation will continue to be passed to the next generation and so on. You know, again, please subscribe to our channel. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in and through your life. We'll see you next time. God bless.